Yeah, yeah thank you. I'm going to bring up someone uh, who's uh, who's been a very prominent Bitcoiner and a very prominent um, um, uh, libertarian for a long time. He is, I believe, you're, he's part of the Mises Caucus that recently took over the Libertarian Party. So let me uh, let me introduce uh, Stefan Kinsella. He's going to say a few words about some of the stuff that he's doing to try to protect Bitcoin and actually crypto in general. Um, and then I wanted to get his take on what we've been talking about also. So, uh, so, so Tone, you know, you know, Stefan, I'm sure. So, uh, Hey Tone. Hey, how are you? All right. So, so yeah, so Stefan, so you've been working on, uh, the, so you're a patent attorney by trade and you're very good on uh, speaking about uh, issues of intellectual property as, as it comes to, um, you know, here at libertarian um, events. Like I know that you did a really cool speech on how intellectual property isn't property. I don't know what year it was, but it was before I came to Porkfest. It may have been 2015 or 2016. And I listened to it on YouTube and it was a really good speech. So I really liked your take on that. Um, um, but uh, what I wanted you to talk about first is you kind of have an, an, a foundation going on that's trying to help protect um, these patent trolls from uh, from patenting the blockchain and all this stuff, so that so that uh, you know other people can't use it. So I wanted to have you give your spiel on that, and then kind of give your take on what we've been talking about so far. Oh sure, yeah. So I've been involved in um, intellectual property for a long time as my career, but also opposing it for over twenty over twenty years, and trying to point out that it's unjust. It it, it causes monopolies. It re reduces competition. It impedes innovation, and it's just part of the police criminal criminal police state. Um, and it is now being used predictably um, to harm Bitcoin by certain bad actors, as we call them. Um, so I allied together with a group of uh, like-minded people a couple of years ago, di different Bitcoin people from different countries, um, to try to come together to find resources to fight one of the threats to Bitcoin and the ecosystem, which is from patents filed by certain companies. Uh, which they then threaten to assert or they actually assert against different Bitcoin companies that they claim are violating their patent law, their patent rights, and their intellectual property rights. So our our, our goal, there are different groups. There's one called COPA, uh, which is uh, associated with Square, and they're trying to do an alliance. Our group is the uh, OpenCryptoFoundation.com, and we are our goal is to identify patents that have been issued in the crypto space and to attack them in the in the different uh, patent offices uh, in Europe and America and other places and to say, look, you should not have granted this patent. So we're trying to invalidate patents that are a threat to the Bitcoin ecosystem. So that is our mission. We just changed our name. We used to be the Open Crypto Alliance. Now we're the Open Crypto Foundation. So what's the, what's the, what's the domain on that? It sounds like you're doing God's work and I got some questions whenever you're ready. It's, uh, it's open, opencryptofoundation.com. We just, we just went live with the website like yesterday or today. Right. Which is why when I Google name. open crypto foundation, I actually get nothing. Yeah. So it just went live, so, but opencryptofoundation.com will get you there right now. Okay, uh, this sounds great. And you guys have a Twitter? Yes, I think it's Open Crypto X, but I'm not yep, sure. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, I'm gonna do screen share. I want people to see this. Uh, OpenCryptoFoundation.com. I personally am not a fan of uh, intellectual property patents. I'm not a huge fan of that. There are some very limited use cases where it could be used for good. In my experience, 
um, IP patents are generally used for evil and to hold back technological adoption uh, across all industries. There is a very limited space. <clears throat> I'm okay with them for a short amount of time, as long as you can continue to prove uh, that you are actually building out your intellectual property. Otherwise, someone else should have a chance to build out uh, that knowledge. Uh, but now we got to run into a problem of which authority decides on whether you're actually continuing to build out your intellectual property. So I am generally not a huge fan of it. Uh, this looks really great. Oh, Alexandra, she's a, uh, she's a uh, friend of this tone-based network. Uh, so yep. this is great. Uh, yeah, I am all on board with this. So if you are ready for questions and there's your Twitter, I'm going to go ahead and follow this because uh, I'll, I'll let you finish. And then I got a question slash comment. Go for it. Well, I had a I had a quick question for uh, for Stefan because um, um, I know that a lot of times people when when they are patent trolls and they try to try to sue people for using a certain technology, uh, what they do is is these these uh, these attorneys they try to fight the patent in court. But uh, by that time, it's very difficult because you have an uphill, uphill battle because the patent has already been approved at, by that point. And so now it's I, the burden of proof is kind of switched on you to try to say that it's a, it's a bogus patent. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to actually stop them when uh, at the time that they're applying the, for the patent. And because and, in that case, the burden of proof is a little bit switched and it's a little bit easier to stop them rather than waiting for after the patent is approved, then trying to fight it after the fact when they try to sue someone. Yeah, so is that, yeah. is that kind of what the, what the you, philosophy is there? Yeah, you've got the basic idea. So um, so it's not just the burden of proof. It's actually in, in like in the U.S. system, a patent has what's called a presumption of validity. So if someone has an issued patent, which means the patent office has a bunch of technical guys that have approved it, um, and they said it's valid, like it's a new thing, it's not obvious over the prior art, then it has a presumption of validity. And so if they sue you, one of your defenses could be the patent is invalid, it should not have been granted, but you have the burden of proof and you have to show and you have to overcome the presumption of validity, which is very, very difficult and very expensive. It costs millions of dollars typically to defend. A patent suit, which is why people usually settle, which is why patent trolls go around collecting small fees from people, etc. Now, there there are procedures in different patent offices around the world, like in the U.S. and in Europe and in the U.K., where if you intervene while the patent is pending, it, it's a lot less uh, costly. You can just simply submit a document saying, listen, Mr. Examiner, I want you to consider this document and don't grant the patent in the first place. Or in some countries, there's a limited ability to appeal it outside of the court system after it's granted or issued like within a couple of years or a couple of months or something like that. So we're trying to focus on doing that. So filing these, these basically submissions early on that show that the patent office either should not have granted it or they shouldn't grant it now before you have to go to court and spend millions to defend it. Tone, are there any questions from the audience or did you want me to look at telegram? Uh, well, well, we'll get to the telegram. So, um, what do you know, and this is going to be, so someone I, I've known in the space for a while and is, uh, a friend of Tone Vases, but it goes in a little bit of a contradiction with patents. What do you know about Reggie Middleton's DeFi <laughs> patent US 111-96566 and JP 
6813477. Because according to Reggie Middleton, he has a patent on everything and anything that has to do with crypto technology. Well, so, so part of the problem is that the patent systems do sometimes allow people to get a patent on something that you think is outrageous. Uh, now, in my view, all patents are outrageous, and some of them are obviously so. Uh, but it also breeds scammers and puffers and liars and con artists who claim more than they get or, or you know, so I don't I remember seeing this guy's name and I know he's one of these guys that claims he seems to be claiming way more than he really has. Um, I have a feeling that his patents, if they exist, are either uh, they would be easy to challenge. I don't know. I have to look at them individually. So well, you well, can, they you, do. They do exist. And I would okay. love for you to look at them because I've been meaning to, you know, get them on a show, even though I don't do interviews anymore. But this is one of those things where it's a really interesting debate. Like we, we have mutual lawyer friends. Uh, and this, this is really interesting because anything outside of a Bitcoin transaction apparently falls under reggie middleton's patents well so so what well the way to think about it is the broader so a patent is like has a description that explains the background problem and then the technology you think you've come up with to solve a problem and then you have a set of claims which are your claim to property right claim one claim two all the way to 20 or 50 or 60 or whatever um and usually what you the simplest way to do it is look at claim one which sets out their broad claim. And the broader that it is, that is the more inventions or the more applications that it covers, the more likely it is that it's invalid because the broader it is, the more likely it is there is prior art that would that should have been considered and invalidated. So when people make these broad claims, they're either liars or they're incompetent or they're puffers or they're promoters or they're just dishonest or they don't know what they're talking about. So the way you would do a show is you would have a guy like that on and you would say, we're going we're gonna to go through the language of claim one of your patent, which will be the broad, plat, the broad claim. And we're going we're gonna to get you to explain what it means and justify why you should have a property right on that set of ideas and use the government courts to stop people from doing something similar. It's, it's, it's usually ridiculous. Usually the idea came before. Usually it's too broad. Usually it's so vague, no one knows what it means. And half the time these inventors hire some shitty patent firm to do it for them. And they don't even know what the lawyers are doing. The lawyers don't care. They get paid. It's just a racket. Yeah. Very frustrating. Yeah, and, because uh, you... in his description, it says 2013 founder of DeFi. <laughs> yeah. Founder of DeFi. Again, the description is irrelevant. What I would focus on is claim one. That's what you focus on in a patent. Look at claim number one. It will say what is claimed is the number one, and then it'll have a sentence. Yeah, so I would I would love for you to uh, check out uh, these two patents, okay. and then I would love to do a show uh, with you and Reggie uh, or his uh, patent attorney, whoever wants to join, and we can discuss his patents in detail because I've said from day one he will not be able to defend these patents. Now there is a silver lining here, technically speaking, he can probably go after Ethereum and claim that every single Ethereum transaction violates his patent, and he deserves a royalty from every single Ethereum transaction. As okay. much as I would find enjoyment in having that happen and somehow get enforced, I'm not exactly sure how, 
and have it apply to everything else in the shitcoin crypto space, uh, if that gorgeousness happens to work out, it could also apply to something like the liquid side chain of Bitcoin or maybe even the Lightning Network, who knows? So this is the, the weird thing with patents, a we really weird thing with patents. The other benefit of this actually is the SEC took down Veritasium. Uh, he was one of the casualties, one of the few casualties that the SEC actually went after and completely kind of like destroyed. Um, I didn't think he would be one of them. I, I thought there were like a thousand more uh, way scammier projects for them to go after. But the SEC went after him. And in that SEC takedown of Reggie Middleton, the SEC claimed that he said there were patents that didn't, that uh, like, they said that he lied about patents. And then the patents actually came through. So technically, he can go after the SEC for taking him down because they said he lied about patents, but the patents were granted. So technically, he didn't lie about the patents. So he may have a short window there to go after the SEC for wrongful, you know, like takedown. It's a yeah, really it's interesting situation. Well, so let me let me point out one thing that's interesting about patent law. So all these libertarians who are totally confused about intellectual property and they think it's a good thing, like copyright and patent. And by the way, copyright is also used by certain bad actors in the space to try to threaten people to take the white paper down because they have a copyright in it. Because they're oh, yeah, the no, I'm not a fan of copyright. I'm a fan of trademark. I like trademark law, and that's no, no. pretty much where. Don't, it don't is. we have another show? But they're all they're all bad. But I would say <laughs> copyright's number two. Trademark is number three. Trade secrets number four. Boat hole designs are number five. I mean, you know, we can go down the list. But um, you know, the, the point is that uh, uh, defenders of patents say that it's not a monopoly. Although strangely enough, it's a violation of antitrust law in the U.S. if you claim to have a patent and you don't. So, which is this gets to what you're talking about with Reggie because. If you say you have a patent, it, dissuade, it discourages people from competing with you because they know that they can't compete. And you're only supposed to discourage people from competing with you if the government actually grants you the patent. So in other words, it's legalized anti-competitive protectionism. So the whole thing is totally corrupt and wrong. Uh, Tone, can I jump in here for a sec? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, so Stefan, I know you maybe you have to be a little bit more diplomatic than, than I do or that Tone does because you kind of uh, you kind of have this foundation which is uh, you know to, to to protect bitcoin essentially but it's also kind of to protect all of all of crypto but do you have a take on this because i know you've been you've kind of early in bitcoin um and uh and, and do you have a take on this on what separates bitcoin from the rest of crypto or do you want to oh. just kind of remain diplomatic and neutral oh no 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 I, i've long ago passed that line okay. <laughs> i've been an anarchist and a rothbardian and a politically incorrect white male for a long time and i i, I don't know Unfortunately for my enemies, I'm not cancelable, so fuck them. Um, uh, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. I think that Bitcoin solves a problem, which is that we need money, and the money we have is taken over by the government, so it can be inflated. So the, the, the problem that Bitcoin solves is that it comes up with a way to have a money that can't be inflated uh, and censored and all that. Um, but I believe with the Austrians that you only need one money. And I don't see any reason why anything other than Bitcoin would be that one. It could be something else. 
but I think that all these shit coins are total shit coins. And I, I, I just the idea that you have one money for this and one money for that is completely contrary to the notion of money. So I'm a Bitcoin maximalist because I think you need one. I think Bitcoin gets you 99.8% of the way towards an ideal money, and it's good enough. There are others that could have done it, in my view. I think Bitcoin SD, BCH, others could have done it, even Dogecoin or Litecoin. I don't know. I don't see why any of them couldn't be it. It's just that there's no reason for them to be. So I'm a BCC maximalist, and uh, I'm totally skeptical of all the scammers. And uh, yeah, that's my take on it. I'm a yeah. BCC maximalist. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of solid. I mean, when the first time I talked with you, I believe it was on Clubhouse. And uh, and I was actually surprised to see you in a Bitcoin room because I just kind of knew you as the patent attorney, the libertarian patent attorney. I didn't really know that you were really into Bitcoin. So I was kind of surprised to see you in the Bitcoin Clubhouse room. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you based on everything you were telling me, you kind of uh, I, I, we, were, I, we were on look, the same page. I bought Bitcoin in 2012 because I lost a bet to, to a bet to VJ Boy and Patty. I said that if it goes over six bucks, the government will kill it. <laughs> So we bet a hundred dollars, and I was wrong. So I bought I bought three bitcoins to pay him at thirty bucks each, and I bought a couple of me, and it all started from there. So I was wrong. The government is too slow and stupid to outlaw it right away, yeah. and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they won't be able to do yeah. it. Uh, Can't so, close the barn door now. Yeah, yeah, but but I'm just a hodler. I'm not a big expert, but I've been I've been called upon to ask about the libertarian legal issues, like is Bitcoin property, these kinds of things, and so I've weighed in on that because I think technically as a libertarian. You cannot own Bitcoin because it's merely information. It's just a place on a spreadsheet that's distributed on computers around the world. But that's not a criticism of it. It's actually your security of your bit of your Bitcoin is better than property rights. So you can call it a property right, but legally speaking, it's not actually a property right. right. And, and I hope you don't mind, Stefan. But I have actually used your argument. I have said on on Bitcoin or, or on on Twitter. Nobody can own a Bitcoin, kind of using your Correct. argument because it is information. You can't actually own information. Um, and, and, I, and it is a positive because how does how does the government prove that these string of numbers belongs to you? Just because you may know the the, the the private key, it doesn't mean you're the only person who knows the private key. Correct. Maybe multiple people know the private key. So how do you prove that it's yours? Well, you know, so. And, and, and you know, you so this, it all plays together, like understanding Libertarian basics, property theory, Austrian economics, uh, intellectual property, they all tie together. So, for example, certain people are using patents to threaten Bitcoin. They're using copyright to threaten Bitcoin, probably trademark too in some cases. Also defamation law, right, uh, which I view as a type of intellectual property because defamation law is totally unjust and criminal, and it's based upon reputation rights, which is also informational. Um, and you have certain actors. I'm not going to say names because they might use def defamation law or to sue me. Uh, so but certain people have used antitrust law to say that certain combinations of B the splits with BSV and BCH and all this uh, were illegitimate and violated antitrust law. But the, the point is the remedy that they sought, they went to a federal court, I believe in Florida. They wanted the government, they wanted the court to issue an order to roll back the blockchain to give them their Bitcoins <laughs> back. So but this shows that Bitcoin is not ownable because to own Bitcoin would mean you have a property right in everyone else's computer because you can issue an order to them. You need to roll back the way your memory is registered on your computer because, you know, the, the blockchain is is stored in many copies on many in many ten thousands of computers. So the only way to own Bitcoin would be to have the right to tell people to roll the data on their own computers back. But in my view, they own their computers. So that's why all these laws are totally unjust, and that's why the concept of Bitcoin as being an ownable property right is completely flawed. You don't need it, and it, it can lead to uh, to to status uh, uh, threats to the Bitcoin ecosystem. Oh, you know, that's this a, is the that's type a of conversation super, you 
Yeah. I was like, that's a super great argument. Yeah. I was going to say, Tone, this is the type of conversation you can have at Porkfest late at night, sitting around a fire with everyone has, has something that they're smoking in their hands. Like you can never own a Bitcoin, you know, it's just numbers, man. You know, <laughs> so it's so, so super, super deep. So anyway, uh, uh, Stefan, thank you so much for, for stopping by. Um, um, I don't know. Did you, uh, did you want to talk about the Mises uh, caucus takeover or, or, uh, or anything about if that? If you're interested, I, I was there in Reno. I was part of it. It was, it was fun to see. Uh, I do think the Libertarian Party. By the party, way, most of Tone's audience has no idea what we're talking about. Okay. FYI. So yeah, there's yeah, a give movement. Us, give, give us a bit of a background. So uh, go ahead, take five minutes and uh, uh, talk about it. So we're probably going to wrap up in maybe in 10 minutes. So, so. we're going to get into uh, left wing intersectionality. Like, you know, there's an intersection between libertarianism and Austrian economics and Bitcoin, right? There's a lot of commonality between these groups. I'm a libertarian. And of that group, I'm an, an Austrian and an anarchist, so I'm like a radical libertarian, but I'm also a Bitcoiner, and a lot of Bitcoiners are libertarians and Austrians, right? Um, and so um, you have this thing called the Libertarian Party in the U.S., which has always been sort of Republican light and kind of mainstream, and they don't accomplish very much. And we kind of – a lot of us radical libertarians got fed up with um, the way they handled the COVID regime lock, uh, bull, lockdown bullshit. And uh, they didn't have a strong message against it, and they sort of played into the, the 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 PC woke crap about bigotry and all of this stuff. So, um, a movement mounted about three, four, four or five years ago, a subgroup called the Mises Caucus, influenced by radical libertarian thinking like Murray Rothbard, Mises, and the Austrian thinkers, and they grew and they grew in influence and domination in the party. And at the national convention last month in Reno. Uh, they took over the whole party. It was a complete victory. So I expect going forward, the Libertarian Party will be way more principled, way more clear, way more radical, way less kiss ass. And uh, I don't know if they'll have more results and more, more wins, but at least when someone says they're a Libertarian and they're running on for office, they will actually be a Libertarian, not a Gary Johnson or a Bill Weld or some, you know, some milk toast, uh, uh, you know, uh, Republican. Not a leftist who hates taxes. <laughs> taxes, I mean. Well, well, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, interested because I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a member of the Mises Caucus, but um, I, I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach to seeing what what what, what result this brings. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a free stater and I'm I'm open to all libertarians, but um, I'm kind of curious to see uh, what direction the Mises Caucus takes the Libertarian Party with. And my concern isn't so much about the wokeness because I'm honestly, you can have a woke libertarian and I'm woke. My my interest is if there's a different strategy when it comes to how do you want to approach the Libertarian Party? What what races yeah. do you want and, to focus and, on? How do you want to run? That's and, my and, and their strategy is this: they they they. I think they're saying that it's very unlikely we're going to win president national things. So let's at least get a main a, a Libertarian candidate who can articulate our views. Don't sell out and get a a moderate former Republican governor who can get more votes, but is still going to lose. But he's not articulating I mean, our th vision. That's a but, fair. But then focus point. on local elections, like you know, uh, a school board and council selectmen. Go ahead, Jim. Go Sir, ahead, for Jim. Jim. Sir, for Jim has a question. What's your question, Sir, for Jim? We'll, we'll repeat it because they can't hear you. Go ahead. What's the Libertarian Party's 
Bitcoin position. Okay. I don't think there's the, enough. Hold on, hold on. Yes. What's the Libertarian Party's Bitcoin position? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, we, we actually modified. We updated the platform at Reno, uh, but I don't think we got around to a Bitcoin position. I think most actual Libertarians that are now part of the LP are very, very, very pro-Bitcoin, especially the Austrians. Like, And the Mises Caucus is Austrian, and most of them are strongly pro-Bitcoin, and they're pretty much Bitcoin maximalists, I think, by and large. So, so I, I like I like that strategy of having a real a good uh, – libertarian that can kind of uh, articulate the libertarian viewpoint to, to run as president. Um, the, the only other thing that I would ask you is, um, what do you think about this strategy of just playing spoiler, just focusing on the swing states and just try to be spoiler between the Republicans and Democrats, try to get enough votes where it's 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 more than the margin of victory between either side. Do you do you like well, that strategy, I, that guerrilla strategy? I, I suspect that they did that in 2020. I suspect that Trump lost because of the Libertarian Party. Yeah. And I do I don't know if that's their focus, but I think the reality is there. So if we have issue coalitions and we focus on minor people and we have uh, enough of an articulate vision to tell people that this is an alternative and we start drawing enough of the vote away, then we can use that to either influence the other parties to start adopting our positions, which is good enough. I mean, if the Democrat or the Republican Party became libertarian, that's okay with me too. I don't care what the name is, right? Yeah, fair um, enough. Or if they if they uh, see that we might spoil them and they, they give us some concessions. So I don't I don't think that that's a bad policy sure. to do either, but I'm not a policy guy. So I, I think politics is hopeless. But I'm. I just want libertarians who call themselves libertarians to be libertarians. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm pretty simple. So I'm really excited to see what happens with the Libertarian Party. I'm really excited to see what the Mises Caucus does. So thank you so much for coming on, Stefan. If there's anything else you want to say, uh, we've been going for almost an hour tone. So I don't know if you probably want to wrap it up soon. But uh, but yeah, do you have yeah. No, I'd to love before? to. I'd I'd love to wrap it up. We got a, we got some questions from uh, my live stream viewers just to help them. You know, fight uh, the shitcoiners and explain Bitcoin in a better way. So maybe we can go through those real quick. I'd love to get uh, Surfer Jim up there to help us sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. with the section. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks for stopping in, Stefan. Appreciate thanks, man. it. All right. Hello. What was he? I couldn't quite hear what you were saying. You wanted us to talk about tone. Okay. So we got so. Last night, I got uh, a couple of questions. Uh, a fan of mine said, Tone, I've been trying to like convince uh, uh, friends and family uh, why Bitcoin and not scam coins. And it's just very basic questions that we can probably do a quick rundown. Uh, there was also this DARPA report, which is hilarious. Um, I can pull it up.